You're listening to the SoulCast broadcast with Kenyon and Takara Martin, where we bring awareness to toxic relationships, encourage singles growth, and improve couples strengthening. We're helping you break the bonds that have broken you and build the bonds that will better you. Join us every week on Facebook Live, Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern and 4.30 p.m. Central. You can also send your questions to Instagram at AskTheMartins, as well as Twitter at AskTheMartins. Let's get into this week's episode. Right here, right now, you're on Facebook Live, so you have the opportunity to participate in our podcast. This podcast will be pulled off of here and posted in all the venues where podcasts go. Now, we give our Facebook Live audience an opportunity to interact, so you will be able to ask questions along the way. And if you're formulating questions now, go ahead and put those up, and I believe we should be able to look at those. Um If you are not on Facebook Live and happen to catch this podcast, you can always catch us to ask us questions on Instagram at uh, Ask the Martins and on Twitter at Ask the Martins. Okay. So here we are. Hey, Bessie, how are you? I see Mona from Las Vegas. I apologize. I miss so many people, but I I know we got a lot of Texas in the house. Texas represent. Love Texas. I love Texas. We got a great, great, great uh, presence in Texas. And um, uh, we're still praying for the recovery in Houston and whatnot. But um, we love you. Thank you so much for plugging in. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about infidelity. Um, not just, you know, this is not where you're going to get on here and listen to us bash people for cheating. Um, I think we, we see enough of that on social media today. We're talking about, right. Is it possible for a couple to overcome infidelity? And if so, then how, um, and then for our soul glow spotlight, we are putting Kevin and Aniko Hart on the empowered couples couch. How would we counsel them? What would we tell them? What kind of questions would we ask, um, if they were on the empowered couples couch? And so without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to my husband to kind of begin to talk about, um, infidelity. Well, here's the thing about infidelity. Can you, just to answer the question, can you recover? Can your relationship recover from infidelity? Infidelity being a physical, emotional, or affect and affectionate replacing of your significant other. And it breaks that commitment. It breaks those bonds. And it creates a, a deep, deep form of distrust, right? Right. Now, the rule for that. For infidelity, for adultery, if you will, is that um, the relationship we believe needs to be a marital relationship. We do believe and we stand by that you are single until you are married. But but we respect and respond and even counsel those who have been in long term relationships and they put marriage effort yes into their single relationship and so that causes the same amount of hurt it causes the same amount of um um, anxiety and brokenness and depression thank you so much so can you overcome it yes 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 you can overcome it there are people who have overcome it now we have to uh qualify overcoming it i believe Yes. Here's the thing about overcoming it. There are people who have had um, adulterous relationships and have had have kept their relationship going. Right. And some of them have kept it going just because they were afraid to move on. They have kept it going because they uh, are waiting for the house to empty. They have kept it going, but living a shell of themselves inside that relationship. That's not surviving. That's not your relationship surviving. That's you surviving, if that makes sense. Yes, ma'am. Perfect sense. And for those of y'all who don't know me, whenever I have a question, so I don't interrupt (laughs) my husband in an excited fashion, I raise my hand. Um, I don't make her do that. That's just she surprised me the first time she did that. It's just it's just a courteous thing. Yeah, I like that. So what I was going to say, another reason why um, we stay without fully recovering is also because of shame. And so a lot of times I've seen very many people, especially in the church community, who will stay there because they're afraid of what it's going to look like if they walk away. The public appearance, the eyes everybody uh, that's watching them, what is it going to look like if I leave or if I admit 
that I was cheated on. And what am I going to lose financially? What am I going to lose position wise? What am I going to lose in the different areas of my life outside of the respect of my comrade comrades and peers um, outside of the questions outside of that guilt? And again, that shame, that's pretty good. But if a again, to qualify it, a relationship that does survive that infidelity is a relationship that thrives. It continues to go forward. Those two people heal. Those two people um, um, make amends and they continue to move forward and live a life together as one. So yes, the answer is yes. People have, people have not. And there are different things or different um, way, or there are different reasons why they have. Right. How? How does that happen? This is where we kind of get into um, the the thought process of cheating. So do me a favor, Takar. Huh? <laughs> um, do me a favor and just kind of um, just just go along with me on this ride. And if you're watching, I want you to go along with me on this ride, too, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a metaphor that's going to help people understand if you are a person who has been cheated on, if you are a person who have cheated on someone else and you really didn't want to and you want to save that relationship, this metaphor will make everything clear and it will make everything make sense, hopefully. OK, it's really a dumbed down version, but I want you to get this. All right. So. Let's just say you and your mate. Let's just uh, let's do us. OK, okay go ahead. Play this that is a game if you want to. <laughs> this is okay. a metaphor. All right. OK, so we move into a house. The house is a metaphor for the relationship. So we move into a house now inside or as we move into this house, you have a door and I have a door. We each have a door. That door is a responsibility. That door is how we go. Um, how is what we let in and what we let out? Right. Okay. And so each night before we go to bed, we make sure that we guard that door. Mm -hmm. I am responsible for guarding my door. You are responsible for guarding your door. Okay. Make sense so far? Yes. So let's just say one day we're in the house. You're staying home and I decide to leave. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, before we go any further, the doors were already there. So the doors have already been established. The door is it's, it's an expectation that these doors be locked. Right. You know, you don't have to, you know, I don't have to convince you that I am here to lock doors. You already expect that. Right. When we moved in, we set the expectation of one another that we were going to keep our respective doors locked. Absolutely. So okay. that day you stay home. I walk out of my door and I don't lock the door. When I don't lock the door, someone comes in and steals your stuff and hurts you bad. Mm -hmm. I come home. I don't want you hurt. But in the process, I found out the reason why you got hurt is because I left the door unlocked. Yes. Now, if I leave the door unlocked, I am responsible for the reason why you're hurt. But oftentimes when it comes to infidelity and that's what infidelity is, leaving the door unlocked to your relationship and allowing somebody to come in and hurt someone else or hurt your spouse or you hurt your significant other. So what happens is, is that the first thing the person does who commits the crime or commits the trespass, the first thing they do is defend the reason why the door was left unlocked. Right. Well, if you had to be rushing me, the door would not have been unlocked. How come you, you didn't remind me? You weren't going anywhere. How come you didn't remind me to lock exactly. the door? Exactly. How, how come you didn't lock the door behind me? And so there is a lot of information. It's a lot of talk about why the door was unlocked, but the responsibility was up to me to lock it. So now. Right. We still want to live in this house. Right. We still want to stay together in this house. I have made a grievous sin that you're still paying for. You're still swollen. You still have issues. Your stuff is still gone. PTSD from the attack itself. Absolutely. So every night and every day you ask me, did I lock the door? Mm hmm. And as a matter of fact, mm. you, you know, one, and, and I get tired of it. Why do you keep asking me if I lock the door? You can't trust me. What's going on with you? And what I'm not realizing is, is that you're, you still love me, but you don't trust me to keep you safe. As a matter of fact, one day I come home and my door is yelled, is nailed shut. <laughs> yeah. 
And you just say, well, babe, come on in through my door. Don't even worry about that door no more. We just going, we just going, um, absolutely Brown. The um, uh, house has been vandalized. And so, um, and so you, uh, board up my door. Yes. I'm upset now because now I'm like, oh, so I got to go in and out through your door. Why do I have to do that? And what you say and what you do is so impactful because what it's saying is I'm here in this house because I still love you, but I choose my door because I know I can protect it and you can't protect me. You cannot help me. You, I cannot trust you. I cannot depend on you to protect me, but I still love you. It's not a question of whether you love me. It's a question of whether I can protect you. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And then I think if if I'm, you know, explaining this correctly or furthering that mm-hmm. the trust continues to remain broken and breached because Every time I ask you if you've locked the door, you respond in such a hostile and defensive way. It makes me feel like you're hiding something. It makes me feel like you don't understand that I'm over here bruised and broken and swollen. Absolutely. And so you don't realize that your response to my consistent inquiries of have you locked the door are you sure can you please go double check that you locked the door i'm not sure i don't know i don't remember seeing you go to lock the door and i'm taking it as an attack as an attack rather than you trying to protect yourself yes and then when you respond in a defensive way it makes me feel like there's still something else going on that i can't trust because you it's not even a matter that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing you don't understand why Right. I need you to assure me and reassure me every time I ask. Absolutely. And so what we see in relationships, what we see in relationships that have the problem of infidelity is you have a person who committed the issue or committed the crime and have not um, taken the time to realize the damage that they did. And that's only the first step. That's that's only the first step, because, listen, like I said before, you walk into the relationship and trust is already there. It's an, it's an expectation. It is an expectation. So trust is, doesn't literally have to be built. Trust is given. And so many people get into relationships and they don't know how to rebuild trust or build trust because they've always been in relationships where it's always been given. Right. And, and that's okay. It's always been given. But once you break it, it has to be rebuilt. Yes. And and that's why, you know, if we answered the question, because a lot of times relationships don't make it out of this. A lot of times relationships fail after, you know, this breach has happened. But one of the main reasons why it failed, it's not because people don't want it to work. It's not because even the transgressor doesn't love their spouse or their significant other anymore. It's because they don't realize that there are absolute necessary steps that must be made in order to get there. They don't realize that it takes a whole lot more than I'm sorry to get you beyond that. And I'm sorry is going to happen multiple times. Absolutely. Beyond that. That's why it doesn't work. It's not enough. So the very first thing for a relationship to survive infidelity is to rebuild trust. When we say rebuild trust, it doesn't mean you can trust me again. Right. What it means is going back to the metaphor is I I wake her up or I tell her, hey, listen, I'm about to go lock the door. As soon as you leave the house, hey, listen, I just locked the door. Wherever I'm at, hey, listen, is my door locked? I want to make sure that I lock the door. What it means is that I'm taking a conscious effort to make sure that she knows that I have locked the door. What does this look like in relationships? It means that there is nothing hidden. Right. I don't care what electronic device you have. I don't care what kind of wallet you have. I don't care what kind of purse or old school. They say you say pocketbook. What kind of pocketbook? That you have. Everything is open. Nothing is hidden. Everything is unlocked. And, and, you know, as a side note, as a person who lives like that, we live like that. Everything is unlocked. There's, you know, we have each other's passwords, but there is a freedom. There is a freedom in that. Okay, go ahead, babe. Here's here's the ironic thing about what you just said about the freedom and now everything must be open. Yes. Because you left the door open, the only way to rebuild trust then is to open yourself up. 
Yes, that's good. And be completely open from there. You wouldn't have to be this open and and uh, vulnerable to me at this point if you wouldn't have broken that trust. Absolutely. So, yes, as a result of you leaving, you know, that door unlocked. Thank you. As a result of you leaving that door unlocked and open and allowing us to be violated, now you have to be completely open to making sure that we are there. Absolutely, Dakota. Transparency equals trust. So that's how you rebuild that trust. You become totally and absolutely transparent. The second thing is that the hurt has to be healed. There is going to be, on the transgressor's part, there has to be a level of uh, empathy and compassion for the hurt that has come that has come up on mm-hmm. the person who he says he loves or she says she loves. It goes both ways. You can't take their fear as um, you can't take their fear. Take that question down, babe. You can't take their fear as a personal insult as to what you can and can't do. You've already done the damage. What you have to do is be in a place in order to fix it. And so you got to understand that it, she, she or he needs to be soothed through that process. Now, on the other end of being healed, because they still need to be healed, on the other end of that, they have to go through the process of wanting to be healed. A person who has been hurt cannot choose to stay in a relationship. They really can't choose to leave a relationship also and not decide to be healed. Because what's going to happen is you're going to utilize that in order to shrink every time you get an opportunity and you'll be stuck and imprisoned by that feeling, by that emotion, by that fear of that brokenness. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. so what you have to do um, is uh, uh, rebuild the trust, heal the hurt. And then watch this. I think somebody else touched on this a little bit. You have to start to work on the transgression must start to work on changing the mentality. There is a serious integrity issue that causes a person to be able to breach the contract of commitment and think that it's okay. Got that question too. Okay. There's a serious problem. Do you want to, do you want to, okay. So there's a serious problem with that when a person, um, um, thinks that it's because, and I'm sorry, doesn't cut it. You have to have a personality. There has to be a character change. There needs to be someone to address that character issue. And it can't be, I'm sorry, because really you're sorry that you got caught. It has to be an authentic change. A person who is truly sorry about anything they they do actually changes. Their habits change. Their actions change. They go through therapy. Okay. They go through. All they need to do to say, hey, listen, to be honest, to be honest, for those of us who've been saved, Mm -hmm. you know what the first thing you must do is to be saved. That's repent. Repent. That means you admit the transgression. Janelle, that should answer your question right there. You admit that you are wrong, but in the process of admitting that you're wrong, you also acknowledge that you need to turn a different way. And when you turn a different way, then you begin, then you can be watched. Now, the person who has been hurt, it is incumbent upon you to watch, to watch and assess, not watch and assess based on how you feel. You're hurt. You're going to be hurt for a little bit until that hurt covers over and heal. But you got to assess whether they're making the right moves in your life in order to make sure that they will not do those things. Not just that they won't do those things, that they're not the same person that did those things again. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And so we have rebuilding trust, healing the hurt, changing the mentality. And then finally, we have to dig into the personal issue of that, the personal issue, which is the catalyst that brought that person to cheating, to infidelity in every situation. Every situation of infidelity, there's going to be a catalyst that brought, brings that person to infidelity. It's not, this is not to blame the infidelity or anyone else. They made that choice. I want right. to be clear with that. Very clear. It is a choice. Okay. But we have to, as especially as counselors, we have to dig into, like, you're not just done because you decided to work on this. We got to 
after you after we get beyond a certain point, we got to begin to work on what's the issue in your life that makes you think that you should have cheated in the first place. Right. It could be a character issue. It could be just an actual a natural character issue where the person is just a natural liar or a cheater, but it also could be other things going on in the house. And those are the things that we got to address as well. You can't leave that hanging. And and that's the thing. Um, before we even continue on, we have to draw a, a clear line um, about what, whether it's one transgression or are we looking at a habitual cheater? Mm. Because yes. we are talking about someone who made one choice to step out on their relationship that truly, well, we hope is truly sorry. Can it be fixed? Yes. That person has to be truly sorry and committing to turn it away from it. But if, if you're here and you're asking questions about someone, you know, who has cheated several times, um, who refuses to admit that they cheat, even though you can slap evidence right in the face and they will still deny it. Right. And call make it you, something. Make you think you crazy. And make you feel like you're crazy and turn <laughs> yeah. the tables on you and blame you. That's not what we're here for. And we'll tell you right now that relationship is not really in a great place. We see we here's when we take in uh, any kind of case like that, where, um, what when it comes to adultery infidelity, we already know that that infidelity is not just it's not just a breaking of commitment. It's not just a breaking of trust. It's a breaking of a person. Right. That's abuse. And we treat it as such. And if a person is habitually abusive, negligent, abandonment, if a person is habitually in that place, then we have to deal with why that is, because it's going to happen again and again and again. And the other person who's been hurt, they have to make a strong decision. They have to decide whether they're going to stay in that relationship. Yes, it can survive, but it's going to take two to make that survival. So with that in, in mind, we're going to have to dig into the catalyst. Right. And what, what, what's in that person, why that person thought that it was a good idea to, to, to cheat. Well, somebody asked a question and yes, they said, um, when you are dealing on it, dealing with it, do you focus on the actual reason for it or do you focus on that trust to begin with initially you have to focus on the transgression exactly we work it, it, it's like this it's like this Here, the the flow of events you have a catalyst then you have the transgression and then you have the hurt so what you have to do is you got the flow backwards in order to heal. It's triage. Right. Actually triage. Right. So you got to deal. You got to clean up the hurt. You got to deal with the distrust. And then after all of that is done, we start to deal with the catalyst. Okay. Right. There's no, it does no good to deal with the catalyst because then that person actually ends up hiding behind that catalyst and they never step up to be accountable for what they actually did. You never have them to answer that question. Um, you have never have them to answer for what they did. Right. They have to actually answer for it first because answering for it and being accountable for it is part of the therapy that's going to heal the person who was hurt. Thank you. Does yes. that make sense? Yes. Um, and I think that was a great question too, by the way. It's, it's one of those situations where... I don't know if anyone's ever dealt with this. Um, all of a sudden, that person, when you try to approach them with that situation, the blame immediately gets shifted to you. Every time yeah. I come home, you're tired. Every time I ask you for some, you don't want to give me none. You're right. always working. You're, you're always with the kids. And so if you pay attention to it, that is how they get you to back down from feeling the hurt that you feel is because somehow they are focusing on what they believe is the catalyst. That is a tactic of someone who has no desire to come to grips with what they've done. It's a redirection. It's redirection. Absolutely. Yeah. It's redirection. So 
our whenever we're involved, we have to we have to hey look, let's deal with your mentality first. Let's deal with this hurt first. Then we can deal with what comes after that. That's why counseling and therapy and MFT marriage and family if you if you get beyond us and it can't be helped and you need a marriage and family therapist, that's what nece- that's what's necessary. That healing has to if that healing never happens, then the relationship never gets back right. There are relationships who get back right and they are stronger at the end than they were at the beginning because now they have understanding but if we don't ever get beyond that understanding and we don't ever start trying to tap into those reasons why or tap in hit the transgression first then tap into the reasons why we got to do it in the right order that way you can rebuild and you can't you you won't just rebuild that door you'll you'll put a steel door on that thing and you'll be as more secure ladder than you were in the very beginning right okay so these are three things. So I, I ran down, you rebuild the trust, you heal the hurt, um, you change the mentality of the person who transgressed, and then after all of that, we deal with the catalyst that's caused it. Now, there are three things that each of those people in that relationship will need mm-hmm. if they want to stay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, but if you want to, there are three things you're going to need. Yes, ma'am. However, in a marriage situation, hmm even if you are going to stay, we have absolutely counsel couples to still separate in this. And I don't know if we can talk about this now, or if you want to wait till you go through the patient's commitment consistency, because. Um, I think since you brought it up, I think it'd be good to talk about now. And the reason why, right? Because it's not, it's not always necessary. It's not always necessary. The reason, the reason why we would typically say why is if you have someone who yes, is committed to working on it, the transgressor and they're committed to working on it. And the other person is sometimes they need an opportunity. The, the person who's been cheated on the, the one who's hurt, the one who's hurt needs an opportunity to heal away from you and in isolation in order to regather themselves and be at a point where they can then face the reasoning behind your cheating at first i just need to heal and i cannot look at you let's let's really quick real quick i don't mean to cut you off maybe i should raise my hand huh (laughs) i don't mean to cut you off but no 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 I want to qualify what separation is. Most people see separation as a step right before divorce. That's not what we offer. No. What we say is that this is a functional separation, a utility in order to bring you back together. All this is, is taking you and putting you in a place where both of you can heal and get it together. You are not allowed to date. You are not allowed to see anyone outside of your relationship. You are not allowed to do anything um, you're not allowed to get with each other. And the only thing that you're allowed to do together is seek counseling. And then as you progress, you'll be able to date each other a little bit more and bring it back together. I just wanted to make sure that they understood yes. that it wasn't in a classical sense of the way they saw. Uh, most people see separation. This is functional. This is a utility to build the relationship, not to break it down. If, if it's going to be broken down, we'll find another way for you. Right. So, yeah. So the first reason is the person who's hurt, they need the opportunity to heal outside of you the reason why they need that chance to heal is because one of the first things that somebody who cheats does is begins to force you to forgive them force you to let them back into your good graces force you to uh put them back where they started like they were the prodigal son and it does not work that way and it causes pressure and it actually causes further damage Mm, so yes you so that both parties have that opportunity to go to their perspective corners perspective places um to heal but it also gives them that opportunity like you said to then begin to seek counseling and work on it separately and together right absolutely absolutely perfect i'm I'm glad you did bring that up because that is an option for those of you who don't know that is an option you want to um we can i mean if we can address that now um, okay what if a person steps away to heal but starts leaning to someone else um you got your answer you got your answer Here's the thing that hurt. Let me put, let me move forward because I'm going to answer that in the three things that you will need in order for this to work. Both, both parties. The first part, the first thing is patience, right? You'll need patience. The person who was hurt needs patience to heal. They need to know that they're going to be hurting, but they need to know that it's going to be over soon. They also need patience with the other person so that the, uh, as the other person gets it together, I'm not saying, um, I'm not saying that you need to tolerate 
more abuse. I mean, patience and allowing them to begin to articulate and move in the direction that they need to move in order to heal you because it's going to be a together type process. Mm-hmm. So both of you need patience. The person who have committed the atrocity, the person who have committed the infidelity, they need patience with the person that they committed it on because that person is still wincing from the pain and you can't take that wince personally. Right. So you still need patience. The second thing is you're going to need consistency. Both of you are going to need consistency. The person who has committed the atrocity will need consistency. They'll need to consistently day in and day out be transparent. They will have to make a tireless effort to be transparent. Yes, ma'am. And then the consistency, you have to be patient with your spouses or your significant others consistency of asking you about your whereabouts. Absolutely. That's where the patience comes in. Right. That's what I'm saying. So you have to be patient with their consistency to, uh, (laughs) to begin to actually, you know, find out where you are. What are you doing? Where are you going? What's going on? That's where patience on your end comes in because they're going to consistently need to be reassured that you are there. And that's a good point. So the hurt person will also need consistency. They will consistently need to acknowledge and understand they need healing. Right. So rather than consistently asking out of protection, ask because you say, okay, I need healing. I need to know I need to give him or her an opportunity to prove to me or to, to, to heal this trust factor. So let me ask, right. You know, it's okay to ask not, not listen, 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 don't let somebody shut you up by te- letting them tell you mm-hmm. if this is you by letting them tell you that you're guilting them or holding it over their head. There needs to be a consistency. They got to eat that. Right. I mean, that's just that's just bottom line. That's a punch they're going to have to eat. So at the at the end of the day. There are there is a consistency where they're going to have to be consistent in their patience and consistent in their actions. And the the victim is going to have to be consistent in their patience with themselves and the other one and consistent with their actions to being healed. Right. The, the person who is hurt, they are first in this situation because they're the one that's healed. When you're in triage, we take the we take the worst case first right exactly so if, if somebody comes walks in on fire then that's the one we're gonna put out first the right. other one gotta you know the other one is hurting and wincing because they were in the heat but you hurt and wincing because you got found out <laughs> you have to cough that off for a minute while yeah. we take care of this one right here so you know don't let somebody hold you you know hold you back or try to make you feel guilty or shameful for asking those questions now somebody made the made the um made the point that both parties have to be willing to have the capacity that was Tina. Thank you so much, Tina, because really, to be honest with you, that is what it's going to take. That answers Lee's question. There is going to have to be strong commitment, right? If you decide you're going to stay in this relationship, we're not going to put people into a separate situation and not hold them accountable to be committed to each other. To the same standards, we're going to, right. I mean, we're going to ask. We're not going to just say, you go to your corner, you go to your corner, all right, work it out. We're going to say, listen, you know what you cannot do. Have you been doing this? You know what you cannot do. What's been going on with you? Right. Okay. And if each either one of them think the other one is making um, making some plays, we're going to ask. And here's the pro. Here's the thing. You're going to have to be honest. If you're not going to be honest with yourself or honest with us, then you can't have honest results. That's the bottom line. Now, if people lie, people lie, but it will be found out. And either the re- um, the result will be a dead relationship or re- the result will be a relationship that will live. That's going to be up to you. And, and so a lot of times what will happen in order to prevent someone from asking for a separation, yes, the transgressor is going to say, well, what you do, all you're doing is pushing me further out the door. All you're doing is, you know, putting me in a position to cheat again. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Let, let, can I be real about this trans, what the transgressor is going to say? Mm-hmm. The transgressor, <laughs> the trans, transgressor, because they got caught, they scared that they gave the other party a free pass. Well, I was going to say that, too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That hit me. That hit me. I'm sorry. But wait. I'm so sorry. Raise my hand. Please start raising your hand. <laughs> my first point that I was going to say is they're definitely going to say that if we get a separation, you're pushing me in that direction. Right. The only thing that a separation is going to do is expose who they really are and who they have been. 
if they're truly committed, it's going to expose that and it's going to show that they're committed. If they are not, it's going to expose who they are not and better give you um, the opportunity to make your informed decision based on their actions. Yes, the other side of it is that if it does last from now until Jesus comes and blows that trumpet, they are going to wonder always if you're ever going to get them back. Right. Period. Absolutely. Here's what we tell the hurt person, because there is a vulnerability that will cause them to try to latch on to someone to soothe that need to be received, to not be rejected and to be taken in. There is a vulnerability there. That's why if even if it ends in a divorce or something like that, we highly recommend no dating. Right. None of that. Not until you've been healed. Healing is going to be healing is necessary. Period. Hey, Ashley, healing is going to be necessary regardless. So we have to make sure that the person who's been hurt through that does not become um, not does not fall into that vulnerable place mm-hmm. because someone else could pick them up and someone else has more than likely just been waiting for the, uh, for the failure. Anyway, they saw it from a far off and they just right. been waiting for their chance. So, um, you would just want to be careful for that. So how that's how that's, that's how, how, that's how it can be saved, but it's, it's going to take two. It's going to take patience. It's going to take consistency and it's going to take commitment and it's going to take understanding all the intricacies of what each other are going through and his or her, the transgressor's empathy with the pain. Right. And so somebody asked a question earlier, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the topic of consistency and that consistent need to be secured. What if my consistent need to be secured is brushed off as nothing but my insecurity? That's what was the question. My answer to that is you have every right to be insecure because they have unsecured you. Let me exactly, exactly, exactly. Let me, let me, let's go back to the house real quick. Right? So the door was left open. So with the door left open, she feels unsecured, right? Unsecurity breeds insecurity. I want you to understand that it's not a personal insecurity it's not an insecurity that comes from um something born in you um based upon how you think about yourself or how you've been thinking about yourself it's a personal insecurity based on how you're thinking about yourself through the lens of this hurt that's very important so yeah it is insecure what the issue is don't let them throw that back on you if they tell you you're being insecure, you say, you right, you insecured me. It's their fault. So don't allow these titles and these different words to throw you off of your path to healing. Because what they're doing is they're trying to project and redirect the issue onto you. And it's really still them. Mm-hmm. I'm hurting because my husband has cheated on me. How do I over? come this we had just went through a whole lot of stuff here's the thing um um miss ma'am i don't want to say your name because uh, i want to make sure your information stays confidential but here's the thing reach out to us privately and because my first question is do you want to overcome this or do y'all want to overcome this that's a very important question if you want to overcome this and they your husband is not involved in that process then you won't overcome this until it's just you. Bottom line. If y'all want to overcome this, there's a different path. Okay. Right. Um, Catch the replay too, ma'am, because we definitely said some really great things that are going to help you. Okay. Um, And then the, we had another question. Okay. And I want to make sure I, Um. so, one question that somebody was asking, you know, when they're afraid to start dating someone else, mm-hmm. because if they are dating someone else and they um, are requiring them to be a little bit more transparent based upon their past, that new person feels like it's an invasion of privacy for them. You know, if you're asking them to be transparent with you, how do you respond to that? When you listen. 
when you date, you set the environment, you set the atmosphere with how you act. If you don't request and require transparency, then you may not get transparency. Right. So you start out dating someone new, right? And hopefully you've healed after that. I see a question of how do you know? Um, when you start dating someone new, you become transparent and you lay the expectation down that you want transparency. Honesty is very, very important. It's, it's, it's important to be honest. And if you if you walk in afraid to be honest, then you have something that you have to deal with. There's a fear that you won't get as far as you want to get because you you're holding back. And that's not that's not fair for you. That's not fair um, for that other person, mm -hmm. because there are times where you may hold because you're really holding back what you need in order to be healthy in that relationship. Right. Or in order to appear healthy in that relationship. Exactly. And it is, it is not going to go that far. And if it does, it'll go far because you've already set the precedent of enabling them to not have to be transparent. Right. Um, what I was going to say, though, too, it's also in how you approach it in a dating situation. If you're dating, number one, you need to take some time to observe that person's character anyway. Um, so if you're dating them and it's becoming serious, you want to allow them in to where you've been hurt before. Right. Keenan and I sat down early on, not right away, but we sat down early on when we started talking about what has happened to us in our past. You know, was it infidelity? Was it abuse? Whatever it was, because that way, if we're choosing to stay in this relationship with one another, we are also choosing to take on the responsibility of securing those broken places that have been broken by someone else before. So if Kenyon's got infidelity in his background and somebody's cheated on him, I have to make sure that I am trustworthy. Takara, who are you talking to? Talking to homeboy over here from church. So-and-so. Remember I told you about him? You know, all this stuff? Right. Cool. Okay, Kenyon. Okay, Babe, when you raise and vice versa and vice versa. So when you're in a situation with somebody and they're not open to helping you overcome that insecurity based on your past hurts, then you have to reconsider if you want to be with that person, because if they're not going to be sensitive to that, it's going to be a very hard road for you to ever fully be able to trust them. If you don't have that open um, communication about what's gone on in your past. Right. Absolutely. Now it, we've uh, been rolling for about 40, I believe minutes. So we got to get to the Kevin Hart piece. Okay. But what we want to do is we want to answer those questions. I know there, there was a few more questions weren't there. We've answered them. No, we've uh, answered there was, them there was one about uh, how do you know when you, when you've been healed? How do you know when you've healed? Yes. Okay. Here's the thing about healing. We want you to get whole. Um, there is a deep, you know, when you're ready to, um, when you're ready to date without pretense, you know when you're ready to date without uh, fear, um, when you're not instantly responding to the, the trauma that the other person left, mm -hmm. when your triggers aren't that instantly triggered. Right. Now, you will have triggers. You will have residual um, um, uh, hurts that's going to follow you. And so those are places where the new person or the potential person can oftentimes show themselves well and show how they can take care of you. However, they shouldn't be uh, uh, raw, uh, if that makes sense. They mm -hmm. shouldn't be immediate. They shouldn't be read raw. It should be like uh, uh, an old scar that just... Um, may flare up now and then does that make sense it does make sense i mean and you can't still be grieving that past relationship i think right. it's very important to understand that if you're thinking about moving forward and you have not fully dealt with the grief and the pain and the loss of that old relationship and you're just trying to get a seat filler for what that other person left open then yes. no you're not healed if you're still dreaming about that person, if you're still Facebook stalking them, Instagram stalking them, if you're still saying to the kids, tell your daddy I said you better not have that trick around you, stuff like that, no, you shouldn't be dating and you're not healed. You need to be in a whole place, wholly comfortable with being by yourself and ready for the added compliment of a relationship. Absolutely. Now, that's, the, and we're talking about prior to dating. Now, if you stayed in the relationship, um, that, that's a, that, I think the same things apply regarding to how raw you are. 
regarding how those triggers, how you respond to them. But it's going to take time. It's going to take time, but you're never going to fully heal within that relationship if you have not gone through those steps that we told you before. If you have not addressed the hurt, if you have not dealt with the issue of why, if you have not both committed on a path of being open and transparent until you both get to that level of trust again. And trust me, this was not exhaustive. Counseling takes several sessions, not just several, not just a podcast. So that certainly was not exhaustive, exhaustive. Let's let's go ahead and deal with the next step. So hit us with some heart love. If you know what's going on (laughs) with the Kevin Hart and a Nico Hart situation right now. Um, So we put out um, a meme and we've seen all the different reports. Kevin Hart um, has cheated on his now wife, Aniko Hart. Yep. Um, and initially it started out as, oh no, we were just kicking it until more explosive stuff came out where there's now tapes involved and there's a major FBI investigation behind an extortion plot. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has something to say about this. We've purposely and intentionally remained quiet on our side right? Um, for that reason. Um, you know, we posted it out there. Someone said she cheated. You know, she, that's how she got him. Um, and that's how she going to lose him. Um, another person on our Instagram commented, well, I've never seen anybody recover. And that's what he gets. It's a character flaw. And he's reaping what he's sown. And, right. you know, or she's reaping what she's sown, essentially. And we wanted to attack it from a different position. Right. Um, And not from the whole judgmental place. But what if Kevin Hart came to our house and was like, hey, Ken, it's a car, man. I really want this. You know, what what, what do I need to do? You know, uh, Mr. Martin. (laughs) So the first thing we would do is we would schedule two appointments. We'll schedule an appointment for her and appointment for him. The reason why is that both of them must feel safe about how they feel about each other without the other person's presence. So we'll say, Anika, we'll meet with you this day and Kevin will meet with you this day. And then we'll come together and have a third meeting and move on from there. Right. And so when we meet with them. And this is how we approach this situation. We approach this situation as counselors, but this is also how we approach this situation as humans and as Christians. The very first thing is this. When you come to us and you sit down to talk to us, number one, there will be no judgment. Right. It's important that you understand that we're not going to judge you. We understand that this has happened. We understand all the uh, the news outlets. Yeah, we see that. But this is us here. There is no judgment. Number two, this is a safe place because there is no judgment. This is a safe place for you to get it all off your chest. Right. Whatever was going on, we're going to ask you some tough questions. We're going to ask you some hard questions and we're going to have to have some heart to hearts um, as well no as. <laughs> right. Right. As well as uh, put in uh, help you put in some work. So with that being the case, you un- I want you to understand that this is a safe place. The third thing is that honesty. We require if you want to work with us, you're going to have to. Kevin, listen, man, you're going to have to be. I see what's going on, but you're going to have to be honest with us. If you're not on, just like I said earlier, if you're not honest with us, if you're not honest with yourself, then you can never have honest results in your life. And then finally, it's going to take work. You got to be committed to the work. That's all we ask of you and, you know, maybe a healthy fee, but (laughs) that's all we ask of you. If you want to save, do you want to save this marriage? Right. Right. So then we move on from there. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Aniko comes knocking on the door. Okay. (laughs) So then, and this is like, okay, this is really how we conduct. This is really how we talk to people. So we're going to pretend you want me to pretend. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Are you going to, I'm a roll. I'm going to be Aniko. I'm, Cause I'm not light skinned. I can't be. No, <laughs> you I can be. I can be. A no, you got to be on my side because you help me out. You got to, you know. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I can, there's no role play here. Got it. <laughs> right. You are a nut. All right. So here we go. So the first couple questions I would ask is how did you meet? We know the story. I know in tabloids or whatever the right. case may it's be. It's all out there. But for us, this is important information. OK, for the com- for the purpose of conversation. How did you meet? Mm-hmm. OK. Um, 
Did you have premarital counseling before you married him? Who led you into this? What 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 kind of conversations did you have before you decided what to What kind lock of leadership down? and guidance? Yes. Absolutely. Because that's very important. Because you're gonna need it now. Okay. How long did you date? That's a big question as well. Under what circumstances did this dating transition from dating to I'm gonna marry this guy? Okay. And we listen to all that information. Right. Okay. Now we hear all that information. And now, of course, we can't go on but what we've heard and read and and watched and all that kind of stuff. So the very first thing is this. You have to be real with Aniko. You have to be real with her up front. Listen, I know you want to say, do you want your marriage? Number one. We're going to assume the answer is yes. Okay. We know you want to save this marriage, but we need to allow you to understand some things by accepting the conditions in which you met and began the relationship. You enabled him to think that those conditions are okay to conduct in a relationship. Mm. He may not have been thinking that towards you at the time, but that is his character in time. And so you have to understand the part that you played in agreeing with the role that you played regarding this relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we want you to know right now that you now have to sit here and you have to demand better for yourself. Do you want Kevin Hart or do you want a husband? Mm. Because you have to, you have to choose which one. Sometimes they aren't the same person. That's now, right. I understand this is a conversation that we've had not only um, in this in this uh, pretend conversation with Kevin and, and Nico, but this is also a conversation that has been had dealing with those in ministry. Right. Dealing with those in leadership positions. Sometimes a person who is good as a leader or good at making money or good at this or good at hooping and hollering or good at all the things that they are good at. They are not good at husbandry or wifery, whatever the case may be. Are those words? We don't know. Right. (laughs) Well, husbandry is. okay. But the idea is, is that she must understand and we have to make it clean and clear. So if you want to change this, you're going to have to change what you accept from now on. You're going to have to change what's okay for now on. And you are going to have to apologize for the part that you played in the um, in the destruction of another relationship. You got to face it. If you don't if you don't reconcile that and you don't face that with honesty, then you can't face this with full honesty. Does that make sense? Yes. And then, babe, would you would you throw anything else on her? Um, as, no. as we're imparting this knowledge you, no you you hit it with the <laughs> uppercut uppercut that was good no i have nothing else to add okay and then so i would ask her this as a final um as a final point in our first conversation us we and her what did he say or do to make you think that you would get anything different that's very important it's a hard question but it's a question that she has to answer because the reason why she has to answer this question mm-hmm. is because if she realized that everything she saw and he said put her put her in the position that she has to recognize that she's going to need to hear and see him do something different from this point on. So that's a clue. That's a context clue here. It helps her get primed for the change. Go ahead. I think the other follow up that I always have to questions like that. What did they say? But then did you take the time after that to observe that he was actually going to be that person before Mm. y'all got married this time too? what did he say? Because we know there has to be something that was said in order to say, baby, you're different, baby. This is different. I'm a changed man. I'm new. You make me better. Right. But then did you take some significant amount of time to observe the behavior after you got those promises and those statements made for your better future. Absolutely. And then what we would do with Aniko on that day, because it's so much hurt or whatever, we'll give her lots and lots of hugs, lots and lots of love. And then we'll end that thing with some prayer. 
because yes <laughs> listen now prayer do change things but she needs to uh, attach herself to a higher power because there is a place in her that's been traumatized you have right. to understand that there's a high level of trauma especially in the public eye and the way she's coming off now is not necessarily the pain that she's really feeling so we're going to actually actually nurse her in that area and in that way and then we'll see her husband the next and within the next couple of days mm-hmm. all right so MC Kev, <laughs> chocolate dropper. He's he's dropping by the crib so he can get his time in. You ready? Yes. Okay, let's let Kevin in. <laughs> Come on in, brother. <laughs> Heart, I like your work sometimes when I'm allowed to watch it. <laughs> I've kind of, you know, moved away. Um, so I would ask him, I would start out asking him some of the same questions. Mm-hmm. How did you meet? The reason why I will ask some of the same questions is not only a primer to help him open up, but it's also to help get a feeling or get a fix on the two different um, um, perceptions perceptions and interpretations of what their relationship would lead to. Because you have two parties. In most cases, you have two parties that have two different perceptions of what they got in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we start with how did you meet? Right. Right. And then we asked, did you have premarital counseling? Who led you in this? Who helped you with this? Who helped you, you know, transition into uh, a marriage with an ego? Okay. And then we were asked, how long did you date? You know, how long were you dating? She thinks you dated like eight years. You said six. I'm not necessarily sure. We understand everything that's going on. So we need you to tell us what, what's what. All this information is confidential, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now. Here's where we have to help Kevin be honest. Listen, Brother Hart, we know what everything else is going on. We know that you may be getting extorted or whatever, but this is not about them. This is about you. You can't project what's going on in the media is a PR routine for you to project from your transgression. And right here, we're going to deal with that transgression. We're not going to project. We don't care. We're not talking to the person who said this stuff or who's making it open or who you're trying to catch before they catch you or we're not talking we're not the fbi we're your counselors we're not trying to save you from a crime we're trying to save you from uh letting this marriage go away okay so here we are we need to talk to you in the transition of you marrying aniko what caused you to transition from your previous marriage right why did you do that? Why did you think that was a good idea? What was going on in that previous marriage? Yes, ma'am. I would ask, though, too. And be nice to him. He's my friend. He Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> what I would <laughs> ask, though, also is before you transition out of that, did you seek counseling there? Oh, and good question. And what was the end result of those counseling sessions? Right. Um. Because I think a lot of times what happens is we go to counseling and then we go to one counseling session because everything was magically felt good. And then we don't go back or we don't follow through with what really needs to be done and the work that needs to get put in. So that's what I would ask. Absolutely. And with that being the case, the necessity for counseling, I would ask him to be kind enough to help his ex get counseling as well because he left a broken person. And without guidance, yes, all three of them are dealing with issues that they don't know how to get rid of. That's good. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. No, that's good. Only because you're good because you brought that up. So that's thank you so, so much for that. And then I would tell Kevin, listen, you work hard. You have done a lot of things. You have a work ethic I have I have rarely seen, and that's the reason why you're at the top of your game. You are a very successful comedian, but you are a very unsuccessful husband. You are 0 for 2, <laughs> and we do not know what else is going on behind closed doors. It's not up to me to ask you that, although this is a confidential place. You can confess that if you want to. The bottom, and I won't share anything to her that you don't want me to share. But the idea is this. I'm going to need you to work as hard on your marriage as you are working on your profession. Mm. 
this is the point that when we talk to other people in leadership, like uh, ministers or pastors or whatever the case may be, we might suggest that there is a time. I know that this is where your income comes from. Maybe you need to write a book. Maybe you need to do something just a little bit different, but you're going to have to take a break with putting that first and start putting your wife first. Right. So this is where we would tell him, hey, listen, man, you got a lot going on. What we ask of you is to consider as we move forward, please begin to put her first. Uh huh. I think obviously we see this all the time in the media is that when somebody is famous, especially a male, they get a free pass when they have transgressions. They get the excuses of, you know, oh, they're busy or that you knew, you know, you was marrying a star. Men are going to be men, all this other stuff. You get that. The biggest gesture that anyone in a position of power could make in a moment like this Mm. is to put your family first. Yes. Put the title down and put your family first. Anyone, most people, women, especially in that position would ease up and soften up just a little bit, knowing that you took a step in that direction versus lean to your, uh, your position in order to skirt, bob and weave your way out of that absolutely and so what we would do is we would prep him because part of his work process is going to be a repentance and it's not going to be i repent nico it's going to be like i'm sorry i and it's not going to be like the videos either (laughs) it's going to be a i was wrong here is what i'm going to do to be right to you right there's going to be a another and also an apology listen you got to understand people who are good with words they can say anything and make it sound good so we're familiar with how that sounds and what that looks like what we want to do is we want to see what your plan is Uh, an apology and i was wrong must always come with the plan that's what repentance is repentance says i was wrong and now i'm turning 180 degrees this way right and watch me and so that's what he's going to have to do and we're going to prepare him for that okay and then at the end of that session we're going to hold hands. I doubt he'd cry, but we're going to say, hey, listen, brother, we're in your corner. We don't care what happened in the past. We want this to be saved now. But do you want it to be saved? And if he does, yes, we'll bow our head, have some prayer, and then we'll move Even on to the next Even if he don't, step. we'll bow our heads and have some prayer. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. Yes, we will. And then we'll move on to the next step and have them sit next to each other. Um, another question we will ask him is what was the catalyst? We, we, we need to know personally from him whether there was something that he could blame because we're going to immediately begin to pull that away so that he could deal with what he did. You have to deal with decisions. And that's what we want him to do. Deal with decisions, not what he thinks is the problem. Right. Not, you know, I was caught up. Um, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know how things be. No, We want to know your decisions. We want to put that up front because you made that decision. You're to blame. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so we will move on from there. Um, Yes, Sonia. (laughs) We do. Yes, Sonia. Yes, we do. Um, We'll be full right now, but yes, we do. (laughs) Right. A little bit booked, but send us a message and we'll see what we can do for you. If we can't, we'd recommend someone for you. Hopefully, Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially here in our area. Yeah. If you're in Atlanta, especially outside of that, then we we got some resources to guide you through to find someone. But um, yeah, send us a message. And I think, you know, within the last 20 minutes, we kind of rushed through that. But I wanted to give people an opportunity to see an empathy. Yeah. I wanted to get people to have an opportunity to see that there is charity in, um, in transgression. And we have to get to a point where we, we will not, a lot of people respond out of the hurt that they've had in the past or something that they don't want to happen to them. I get it. A lot of people respond from a place of, 
if that were me and you have no idea what somebody is dealing with. And a lot of people respond out of a place of gossip. Mm. So I think it's good to show, number one, how we would handle it or begin to handle it because it's way more than that. Um, there's homework involved. There's a lot of work involved yeah, that we, we give pass assignments. off. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I think it's good for people to understand that when people fall, I'm not saying he's not wrong and I'm not saying she shouldn't she um she she's not wrong for her the part that she played in the earlier transgression. What I'm saying is is that when you approach the situation with charity, mm-hmm. um with empathy, um with love and compassion and with no judgment, then you have the opportunity to help them fix it. Now, after that, if they begin to make decisions that does not conform to what will save the relationship and the marriage or save themselves in later relationships. Then that's when you say, okay, this is who you are. You've chosen to be this, right? There's nothing else I can do for you. Does that make sense? Yes. Perfect sense. Okay. So, I think we need to wrap up because it's been a while. It's been over an hour. <laughs> um, listen, if you're watching later, if you're watching after the fact, feel free to go ahead and continue to ask questions or leave questions. We'll try to jump back in later and answer those, um, obviously, via text or, you know, as we respond to you uh, there in the timeline. But for now, we are going to um, get on out of here um, and get ready for uh, next week. Babe, right. Do you remember what we're talking about next week? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about it earlier today. Oh, 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 oh. So it's a great transition to come off of, you know, this whole situation with Kevin Hart. And we're going to talk about what's what's affectionately known out there in the streets as side chicks. And we're going to approach the situation by having you understand some of the underlying factors that a lot of people have no idea about. Okay? Yeah. So we're going to talk about that next week. So look for the, look for the meme, look for us to come up and oh, then yeah. ask your questions. We're going to call it the accidental side chick. The accidental. Thank you for tuning in to this week's SoulCast broadcast. We hope you enjoyed the program. We invite you to visit us at thesoultiesdetox.com where you can leave your voice recorded question or comment that may be selected for future SoulCast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay up to date with our program. See you next week.